Welcome to Soda and Tollercast. My name's Anthony. I'm Adam. And welcome to another week that was a week that killed off some greats. Yeah, we lost a couple this week. Yeah, man, it's just it's it's shocking. But um, we're not dead though, so that's something, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, what's been happening with you this week, my friend? Um, not. I mean, as per usual, I haven't been doing a great deal. Um, I've just uh, I caught up with an old friend today that I haven't seen in a few years, which is pretty cool. Um, you know those usual sort of catch ups where you're supposed to just grab a coffee and maybe see each other for an hour and we end up chatting for about four hours. So that was kind of neat. But Nice. Killed it on the claw machine at time zone. You actually won? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm no. good at the claw machine. No. I, 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 every time I go to the thing, I take my young bloke to time zone every, you know, maybe once a month, sometimes once a fortnight, depending on how good he's been. Yeah. He loves all the, you know, all the different video games and that, but I just like trying to win stuff out of the claw machine for him because that's the closest thing to gambling I think you can get in those places. And uh, I do quite well at him. I won like three little plush toys out of it the other day, so I was pretty stoked. Mate, I think that's your good luck used up. It's a good thing, like you're 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 mostly cancer free, because otherwise I'd be worried. <laughs> Using all my luck on the skill test, do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that's how it worked, I would have bought a lotto ticket and I never would have gambled again. <coughs> oh shit! Oh man. Got anything new happening in your world? Um. Yeah, uh, so so sort of. I guess I haven't really been keeping the viewers and listeners up to date much with website stuff because like SutterandTelpass.com for new listeners. So I've got, I just got the 10th page to my comic book that's coming, that's just come, that's just been lettered. So um, we have about 14 pages to go. Excellent. Hooked up with a, and when I say hooked up, I mean, platonically um with a um with an artist that uh she drew a variant cover for for this comic book that is being worked on by a team over in argentina half cells it's called but this uh new uh this new artist um uh she uh, i said to her we should work on something together um so we can come up with a really dig your style and she's turned around and said yeah 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 just pitch something to me and if we like it let's let's run with it and i pitched her i don't want to really go too much into it but it's gonna it's gonna do a lot with necromancy and the undead so yeah and it's it's gonna have a female protagonist it's yeah i I just don't want to go too much into it because it's just it's at very early stages so there's that um Apart from that, um, not a whole lot has been going on. I recently wrote a uh, review for a comic book writer's book um, that's out through Sourcepoint Press. The name of the uh, the comic book is called Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job, so uh, issue one. So that's going to come out in January and... It's basically about a group of or three three kids that are going through a whole bunch of trauma after the whole nine eleven thing happened. It's set seven years after that, and it's about like uh, the fi- first issue doesn't really tell much, but it's a lot about um, just dealing with trauma in different ways. Like one of them uh, looks to be um, 
LGBTQI. Another one is uh, is a cutter. Um, she likes to cut herself. Another one seems to be more of a uh, like an army veteran who has who's just trying to deal with, I guess, civilian life. So. I would say check out that comic book when it comes out. Don't don't read my article because that's just words, but check out the comic when it comes out. Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job, Issue 1. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so so that's what that's the most recent stuff. But I mean, Black Friday, did you did you get anything Black Friday-ish? Black Friday-ish. Oh, you mean like for the sales? Yeah. Did you take advantage? Did you did you partake? I I bought uh, a T-shirt on online. That's it. That's exciting. Yeah, I bought I bought myself a T-shirt. That's all. That's the only thing I did for Black Friday. Because remember, I had all my shit. I had my shit done by then. I I didn't I didn't do anything anything crazy. I wasn't interested. I, I don't. I mean, I really feel like the Boxing Day sh- sales should be more important for us for us Aussies. Let's let's talk about I guess the pop culture week that was. Um, you want to kick it off? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, today actually uh, I saw something really cool, and it just relates a little bit back to last week's podcast. Uh, mm. The WWE lost the phenom, and AEW gained an icon today. So yes. Sting, yes. Sting yes. made his debut on yes. AEW today. Yeah, and I can see, I, I can that. see you look, you look excited, which yeah. is good. Yeah, I watched the, I watched the, um, I didn't actually see it because I think this might actually get me actually buying a subscription. I've kind of been hesitant, but um, this because uh, it's through the Fight app, no. Uh, I, honestly, I don't actually watch it. I just keep an eye on the highlights at yep. the moment. But I'm yep. in the same boat. This might be the thing that. This might be their one big ticket sort of guy, yeah. who's going to push me over the edge and go, okay, now I need to start watching this. Yeah, um, you know, and like not just sort of keeping up with the uh, the highlights and things like that. But um, a mutual friend of ours, Furby, keeps me updated pretty regularly on what's going on. Yeah, he clued me in on that as it was happening, and I jumped on straight away and was watching the live sort of tweeting and stuff like that, and it was pretty. Goosebump worthy, if I'm honest. It was really, really cool to see. It speaks volumes, I think, when oh, I've gone blurry. Don't know why that is. Um, I think it speaks volumes when um someone who was sort of pseudo kicked out of WWE because of an apparent injury, who is now active talent on a, another company's roster. I think that just speaks volumes, don't you? And not only are they active talent on another company's roster, but on a com- on a roster, the company who is clearly uh, happy to let their guys take bigger risks, mm-hmm. um, you know, like and I mean, like that's in ring stuff. So this guy can't really be that heavily injured if they're going to let him take. If they have the same sort of wellness policies and things like that, which you assume they have to. Um, mm-hmm. They can't very well be that heavily injured and not allowed in the ring with the WWE if they're going to be allowed in the ring with the AEW, who are, you know, objectively rougher wrestlers. Yeah. 
so yeah, actually, I think that they. I mean, you and I both know full well, and we spoke about this last week. You know, they they hedge their bets on guys like Randy Orton and the John Cena's and stuff like that. They're little favorite guys. They invest so much into those guys that they only want um, these, uh, as you would call them, legends. They only want them. The heavyweights. They want the heavyweight, um, the potential heavyweights, and. It just goes to show when um, when there's uh, people like, um, for some reason, Paul London is sticking out in my head, but that's not who I mean, who um, the Scottish guy, um, Drew McIntyre, when he, just before he left the first time, Drew McIntyre was almost cruiserweight shape, almost. He's kind of, kind of in between. And He's a very tall man, but, yeah, he was, he yeah. was quite, he was very small build for his height. Yeah, and I mean even Jinder McIntyre as well. Like, um, and then they went and like, um, <coughs> did some roids. Um, and uh, now now they're um, you know, well, Jinder McIntyre probably not so much, but um, Drew McIntyre, uh, sorry, Jinder Mahal, um, probably not so much, but um, uh, Drew McIntyre definitely at the top of the roster, and it just goes to show that that's what they want. They don't really want. That they're just not after cruiserweights. They're not interested in pushing them. Sting was certainly not a cruiserweight in his day, though. I mean, he was a big dude back in his day. It's yeah, just that yeah, it's just yeah. that big has a different definition now. Um, yeah, you know, they've got that guy who's following AJ Styles around, who's going to get pushed to the absolute moon. He's, he's just, I don't, I can't remember his name. I've only sort of seen it once, but he is enormous. He's seven foot three. He's massive. Jesus. Yeah, he's he's a, he'll be the tallest guy on their roster, and you can guarantee he's going to get some massive push after he, you know, after he stops being AJ Styles' lucky. So when he inevitably double crosses him, he will um, he will obviously probably yeah he'll get a title. He'll be the unstoppable giant for a period of time, and then of course like Braun Strowman and the Big Show and all the other unstoppable giants in the past, as soon as they get beaten, they'll be buried. Mm. Yeah, all the all they'll get turned into like the the love machine, like um, viscera. Like, yeah, like viscera. <laughs> Big daddy <laughs> B. <laughs> um, did you like that deep cut? <laughs> that takes you back. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd forgotten um, all about that guy. Yeah, he passed away, unfortunately, unsurprisingly, though, due to his weight and due to a heart attack. Um, but um, uh, those were the lifestyle. No, no, not at all. Um, so that's an easy segue into the first loss of this evening. Um, Pat Patterson. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I, I, I like to parade myself as a wrestling fan, but I don't know this guy. Um, I know he was uh, pretty important in the wrestling industry, as far as I understand. First openly gay wrestler in the yes, yeah, in the in the like the WWF probably at the time. First openly gay wrestler in the WWF. He was often in the nineties referred to by um, commentary staff, unsurprisingly so in those days, and I guess a little bit offensive. You would consider it now as the man bringing it up the rear. Um, so we'll see. Um, I didn't really know him as a wrestler, um, 
but or remember him as a wrestler. But what I remember, I guess, fondly is like uh, he was sort of the man behind the scenes. He was one of those go-to guys that um, in the sort of early days of the um, Attitude Era, he was one of those sort of guys that Vince McMahon would go to. Like he was one of those um, uh, like um, what like what Fit Finley is now and uh uh, like what a couple of other people from that era are now, some of the go-to guy to get things done. He, um, I think he had did some operations stuff. But um, the mo- the thing I most remember about it is um, you probably recall um, Orlando Jordan coming out as openly bisexual back in the day. And Yeah, I do vaguely recall that. I remember reading uh somewhere i think it, it must have been an interview that apparently uh pat patterson was someone that uh orlando jordan or that helped orlando jordan through that time cuz you probably recall he got absolutely buried after that yeah yeah i mean that was it's not really uncommon i guess uh for things vince doesn't like to get buried pretty fast yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, I don't want to make too much comment on what he does and doesn't like now, but he is pretty old school. Uh, in you know, most of the stuff you see him in seems to be pretty, uh, let's say, conservative. Might be the easiest word to use for it. So, well, he's a Trump voter, so I think conservative hits the number on the head. Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, he he won't be a Trump, Trump voter now anyway. Um, so he's a guy who'd bet on a sure thing. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. seem like the kind of dude to take risks. I think he's going to be betting on sure things from here on out. Yes, yes. Oh, um, one thing I thought I'd mention. And uh, something, and you and I are often quite appreciative to anyone who listens to this, the show and I guess now watches the show. Um, I noticed uh, through a couple of photos um, that our one of our very first listeners is got a bun in the oven. Mel? No, you're going to have to go again. One of our... <laughs> This is great. This is the best thing. <laughs> uh, so I was saying that one of one of our original listeners has got uh, has got a bun in the oven. I saw. Yeah, yeah, um, that is actually happening. So the no was. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, man. Like, I try not to be overly critical about people's lifestyles. I mean, you know, if if Mel wants to smash too many beers then sure it happens to the best of us um i try to be um you know have an equal view on people's lifestyles but um yes congrats to her and her partner yeah totally congratulations um another congratulations could probably throw out to elliot page Yes, yes. Spend too much time on it. Everybody knows what's going on at the moment, but congratulations to him uh, being your authentic self, especially when you're in the spotlight. It's got to be really hard. So so let's talk about that. Um, so uh, my wife, Angela, brought that up with me um, and I thought, great, good for them. For me, though, for uh, someone just 
kind of, I guess, as an observer, I wouldn't really call myself a fan, more a casual fan because obviously a big Umbrella Academy uh, fan. But he always came across as very fluid anyway before this uh, announcement came out, especially with the last season of um, Umbrella Academy. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I mean, I don't think anybody's particularly surprised. Um, Yeah. But I don't think that's really the point. I think it's just a no, not at all. Yeah, it's just it's just a matter of okay, um, he's you know decided this is the time to let everybody know. Or I'm not really sure. I don't really understand how the transition period works. It's quite foreign to me. All I know is that yeah. use the pronouns, don't use their dead name. Um, Netflix even went to the effort of changing all the credits for Umbrella. I saw that. I saw that. Which was a yeah. an ab- absolutely boss move on their part. So good on them. Well, yeah. And when I found out about it, Ange and I were talking about this, and I just turned around and said to her, "Well, I mean, if you can't back your product, who can you who can you back in that situation? You know what I mean? Like, and it's it's. I guess it's." Some people turn around and say, oh, that's the kind of shitty thing for me to do to kind of just belittle his struggle down to being a product. But essentially that's what an actor to a streaming service is. Um, I mean, they did I a also- good job with that with um, with Dave Chappelle too. Um, Dave yep. Chappelle, they, they took his show off Netflix uh, basically because he asked them to because he wasn't getting paid royalties. Uh, so he said, he said, you know, you guys are playing my show. I don't get royalties because I was young and dumb and signed a contract I shouldn't have signed. And now you're basically distributing my product without me getting paid. And they- oh, the original the the original Dave Chappelle show. Right, okay. Dave right. Chappelle show. It, it got pulled immediately. So I think Netflix is really going hard for the talent that they sort of have in their shows. They're really they're really supportive of their talent. And that's good to see at the moment because when you've got people like Jeff Bezos running a streaming service, I get yep. worried as to exactly how much support <laughs> what would essentially be an employee is going to get from them. So that's good to see on Netflix's part. Yeah. But then there's that um, show that Netflix released where it over-sexualizes young girls and in dancing. But, um, you know... Uh, they seem they seem pretty selective in their you know what is the forward approach. Yeah, look, I didn't see that. I saw a lot of people arguing about that, um, but I said I didn't watch it. I specifically didn't watch it based on the fact that I was told it sexualizes children. So I said, well, I'm not, I'm, that, I won't watch it then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but then I saw a lot of people saying, well. That's not the point. The point is trying to show you how everything else sexualized. This is like, hey, this is shit that happens in the world Mm. which sexualizes children. So is it like, you know, if the news was doing a report on something like that, is the news then sexualizing children or are they showing you that it happens? So that's why I, I wasn't sure how it went because I never saw it. So I don't know what the end verdict ended up being on that. And I guess uh, us two being fathers of boys, it's kind of hard for us to, I mean, you could say that 
sexualization of children starts pretty early on as far as society is concerned um, in terms of gender predisposed roles and things like that. Like, I mean, blue blue for boys, pink for girls, that type of stuff. Society is already making a, a predetermined choice on what their role in society is going to be. There's no sort of green colour for either, you know what I mean? Um, and And that's kind of... That's that's part of the problem, I think, is the like I mean, even with gender reveals, like the, the blue dust and the pink dust, and I fucking hate that shit. It's so tacky as fuck, and it's just only bogan fucking assholes seem to do it, and it's just like I just I don't give a fuck, man, like about your kid. I don't give a shit what sex they're gonna be. It's not gonna change my relationship with you, the parent. Or how I treat your child. Also, why the fuck? Oh, you're having a child. You had sex. Great job. You know, like, uh, like I just don't give a fuck. Like, congratulations, your wife fell on your cock when you were too, when you were both too drunk. Like, I, I really don't care, and I really don't care. Didn't mm-hmm. we just congratulate somebody for having a kid at the start of this podcast? Yeah, but like, come, but yeah, yeah, like Mel, don't do a gender reveal. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm not big on the gender reveals either. I know people have done them. If they're going to do it, I guess as long as they don't burn down half a state like in California, yeah. well, then, we're, then you know, whatever. I mean, I don't particularly. Yeah. Um, but speaking of children, mm-hmm. the child got the name this week, right? Oh, yeah, and it's remarkably similar to a blue Muppet. Yeah, Grover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I refuse to call this thing Grover. I won't do it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't even like calling it the child. It's Baby Yoda to me. That's what it'll always be. It's oh, going to be man. Baby Yoda forever. It'll never get called something else. You know, I looked at the um, – I happened to tweet about it the day that – or like I'm sure, I think it was the day the episode came out, and hmm. the hashtag trending was Baby Yoda, not the child. And not Grover, it was Baby Yoda. So I'm going with the hashtag on this one. Not calling it. What's the actual name? It's not Grover. It's like Grogu or something like that. It's it's yeah, it's something something like that. It doesn't even fit the um the sort of same sort of phonic sound as the rest of Yoda's sort of lineage or. Fair. I don't know the actual. Well, to be fair, well, well canon-wise, we only know of one other um, Yoda species, and that is, um, I believe it's Yaddle um, from... Uh, I've seen a few others. I don't know if they're canon, but they all have I very... I don't think they are. Phonically similar names. So it's like yeah. all of a sudden there's one that's just got one that, I don't know. It sounds like it was the runt of the litter, maybe. So it got <laughs> it got the reject name. I don't, I don't know. Um, also, apparently, it survived Order sixty six. But isn't that like two hundred years in the past? No, 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 not at all. No, Order sixty six is the thing that happens. Uh, is what uh, uh, Darth Sidious orders the when he orders all the uh, clone troopers to kill all of the Jedi. Oh, okay. I th- so an actual... Th- Anakin did the whole thing. But, um, uh, you know, um, 
Oh, that's interesting. Uh, Michael T from High Desert Comics. Hey, Michael says people say America is too young to have its own culture, but I once got an invitation to a gender reveal party for a dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm fairly confident we didn't get that from anywhere else. (laughs) Yeah, look, I'm pretty confident you didn't get that one from anywhere else either, Michael. (laughs) Oh, man. I, uh, yeah. I wonder, did they use the um, the balloon full of powder or the the uh, the Australian way to do it? They put uh, blue or pink smoke tires on the back of their Commodore, yeah, and do yeah. and do donuts in the car park. Yeah, um, yeah. you know that's a pretty. They, they, they poured some. You know? They poured some sherbet on the ground. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe they just had a a, a blue or a pink coloured rifle that they threw into a school. Um, wow. Yeah, you know. Wow. That, that's, okay. that's, <laughs> you, you really, you really bared your arms with your right to bear arms uh, philosophy, didn't you? Um, what were we talking about? I have no idea. I'm so. Oh, the canon, the canon of uh, yeah. So as far as I'm aware, yeah. Oh, Order sixty six happened. Uh, well, um. So this, so uh, Mandalorian occurs between uh, Return of the Jedi and Return f- between Force Awakens. So, be re- I would say probably twenty five years prior is when Order sixty six happened. It's around there. Um, Michael T has come back. Uh, yes, yes, yes. They. They did the balloons, and I'm not proud it went well. Um, wow. Um, Michael, we feel your pain, mate. We we feel your pain. Um, if your friend says, hey, we're going to have a party, you go, right? I mean, if it's a gender reveal for a dog, you question, but the Australian way is to go and drink anyway. So, so. So, hang on, are you telling me there's no circumstance in which you would not go to a friend's party? I mean... that you No, you, you that I wouldn't on, go, but... Come on. It depends. Is, is there free booze? There's free balloons, obviously. Oh, man. No, I think there's a lot of circumstances where I wouldn't um, go to someone's party. I mean... Uh, if it was a gender reveal, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is I've been to a gender reveal party. I just think the I don't mind the party so much as the the fucking like the dust cloud bullshit. Like I I just I just don't um I don't see why there's a need. Like um I always thought that um like the baby shower was sort of the you know, the party you have for your kid before your kid is born. You know why? Why need to do the other thing? I just think it's adding more. I, I just, I just think there's too many celebrations for too many family things. In a way, like, I mean, I feel like you get, um, you get engaged, you get married, then all your motherfucking family is asking forever when you're having kids. You have the kid. You go. You. Uh, get pregnant, then you have to do a fucking baby shower, then you have to do now these gender reveal parties, then you have the birthday, then you have to go to the kid's birthday, 
then you have to go to the birthdays of the other kids of your friends. Then your kid makes friends. You have to go to those fucking birthdays. And then it just never ends. It's just this ongoing bullshit that just never ends. Michael's jumped back on. Mando's five years after Return of the Jedi and 19 years uh, from Order 66 to A New Hope. There's a whole he's, – he's given us a whole thing right here. Um. Uh, 19 years from, yeah, well, I did say 20 to 25 years, so. Um, the ballpark, um, he, he, had yeah. it, he had it all right. Um, <coughs> yeah. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, anyway, uh, moving right along, uh, something really interesting happened here the other day. We had a massive storm a couple of days ago, you would remember. Yeah, and I don't know why, have you noticed that Belmont gets pummeled every time there's like, for some reason, uh, Belmont and the area of Belmont is like a magnet for like um, heavy rain and hail. Have you noticed this? Um, well, I actually th- sort of thought it was the opposite. I've never really noticed Belmont getting too much hail. Lots of heavy rain, but I never noticed too much hail. I have a theory that because it's proximity to the lake and the beach, there is some geographical sort of reason as to why the storm cells seem to move the way they do along the lake. Um, okay, right. In that sense, but I'm no meteorologist, so I'm not allowed to get my job wrong every day. Um, but what happened uh, during that storm, you might... <laughs> Was that a joke? <laughs> How long have you been holding on to that one for? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I make that joke every single time the meteorologist gets his job wrong. Don't worry. Um, not for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, we had this big storm, right, and there was the cloud front that came across, and the cloud front looked like when the spaceship comes through the atmosphere on Independence Day. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this massive clouds roll over the front of the thing. Anyhow, uh, some wonderful person in, um, in Newcastle, decided that they were going to troll our print media because print media is dying a slow, painful death and millennials just, say again, well-deserved death. Well-deserved death. Um, So anyway, it's dying that slow, painful, well-deserved death and people have taken to trolling the media now whenever uh, fun weather events roll through. And if you look in... uh, there's only screenshots of it now because they removed it, but it happened. It was up online for about 24 hours after the storms. There was uh, they they request people send photos in of the storm. You know, let's get some free images to put in our newspaper to get boomers to read our paper, right? So anyway, they they t- they they ask people to send the photos in. People send their photos in, and the one of the photos in the paper was that spaceship scene from Independence Day looking <laughs> looking across none other than the Brooklyn Bridge and New York City and it was uh, actually printed in the newspaper and on their website it's been removed from the website now but yeah I'm going to post um, on the Instagram here just below next to my name there we go right there I'm going to post yep. on that um, at Soda and Telecast, if you're listening without the video. Yeah, I'm going I'm to post pictures of that and we'll just have like a little swipe and you'll be able to see 
what the storm actually looked like and then what 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 our local newspaper printed um hilarious though uh keep trolling print media guys great stuff i mean shouldn't they just know that i mean print media was still around when independence day came out no yeah yeah it was 100 percent, it was out it was will smith's first big major role there was definitely print media around in the late 90s yeah so I really hate that we talk about this, but it just seems to be an ongoing saga and we have our first case of COVID-19 in our state. So it's re- we get rid of it and then some fucking idiot who's a hotel worker apparently was working with some people that had just come back from overseas, been flown back because they're Australian citizens, and then she just uh, works at different hotels so she works at the hotel that where the um people are being quarantined in then she works at some other hotel so now this fucking idiot has COVID-19 and we've gone from zero to one just because this fucking moron I just I I, I mean I, I just I don't understand how it keeps happening I just I just don't get it I just I just think it's like ineptitude and just morons that are just the response uh, they're responsible for you know this this shit going on like i mean how is it it's complacency is what it is is all it is i mean you get 100% at this point it has to be down to human error right yeah you yeah, definitely like, at least at least in australia where we've got shit under control like i can't speak for like fucking uk usa italy all those really bad areas but we've got it, this shit pretty well handled to the point that every other country is modelling what their approach should be, um, and I, I just don't like. I just don't see how how it, how it keeps happening. Yeah, I mean, New Zealand's probably the only country that did better than us in, as far as controlling it, and that's because they've got better leaders than we do. But yeah. you know, we. I mean, they implemented excellent controls that were very similar to what we did far later in the game, but far later still managed to work quite well when they were appropriate controls. When we have, like you said, we haven't had any community transmission for weeks, you know, months even, and um, and then all of a sudden somebody gets complacent, something silly happens. I know we've got a bunch of international students come in um, and start their mandatory quarantine period the other day because, you know, Let's start bringing foreign foreign money back into the country as soon as possible, even though we haven't beaten the virus yet. Well, um, I mean, there's that. I, I don't really understand that either. I mean, on one hand, you've got the Liberal government that and now we're getting all political and I apologise, but on one hand, we've got this government that want to, you know, stick it up the arse of China right at the moment and, I mean, most people... Who have been for our American listeners? Our liberal is actually our conservative branch of government, uh, not our uh, the Democrats or the the liberal side of government over there. But ours is all asked about, and it sounds really weird. But our liberals are actually the conservatives. Yes, yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah, um, you almost lost us all of our subscribers. Um, so, yeah, so uh, liberal over here does not mean liberal way of thinking, unfortunately. Um, so on one hand, you've got the the libs wanting to, 
uh, stick it up the ass of China and say to them that, you know, they're creating all these violations, et cetera, et cetera. On the other hand, they want these fucking, but they want the money. And it's just like, uh, choose a line. Um, speaking of the the, uh, the governments and things like that, and I know we weren't going to get too political, but this is a little bit of a uh, step away from the COVID stuff. The New South Wales government are moving to decriminalise uh, illicit drugs in small quantities which is a, an interesting move considering that our conservative government are the ones who have been policing it so heavily for the past few years. Uh, they've now backflipped. I've, I, I have a feeling that they're posturing, as they do. They're posturing to try and distract from their massive corruption. But um, mm -hmm. either way, decriminalising uh, illicit drugs in small quantities is something I'm going to be like, you know what? I don't care who does it. If we do it, that's great because it means we're going to start treating addicts like humans instead of... Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it? Um, it's the treating, like when someone genuinely needs re rehab, is treating them, okay, you need rehab, but, yeah, treating them like a criminal and, like, yeah. Um, the other the other advantage that you get off this is that all, you're also not going to have these... Um, uh, searches and things like that happening in festival scenarios and stuff like that. You know, we had uh, we have a, an epidemic here of um, uh, like strip searches done by police officers on, you know, sometimes 14, 15-year-old people, you know, um, illegal strip searches essentially because they suspect them of having drugs and then they don't. So uh, then, you, then you have people who are overdosing because they're scared of getting caught with the drugs they have, so they take mm. too much of it, stuff like that. There's all this roll-on effect of this hard line against drugs, um, taking the penalties away from that stuff is going to have that reduce those sorts of things happening as well. So you're going to have less kids taking way too many drugs because they're scared of getting caught, less police mm -hmm. officers performing invasive and very possibly illegal searches on underage people without a parent present, things like that. So it's a good thing overall, even if it's a shitty branch of our government who are doing it to win votes or whatever, I'm still happy it's happening. I mean, if it's a means to an end and the means to an end results in something positive, I'm all for it. I mean, for me myself, um, I'm actually looking uh, so oh, so that the listeners and viewers have some context. I was born with this benign tremor. I use tablets to manage it, uh, which you know, Adam, I've explained it to you before. Um and I'm trying to get off it. Now, um, CPD, uh, sorry, CPD oil will do that. The problem is, is that, I mean, yes, it takes all the effects, out, like the hallucinogenic effects out of the, out of the essentially weed oil. But um, if I get pulled over and get a random drug test, I mean, I've never had a, an um, RBD, is that what it's called? Random no, uh, RDT, yep. I've never had one of those. Slide testing, I think. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never had one of those before, but, like, I'm looking into getting that so I can get off the tablets um, so that I can have something that's a bit more natural. And so, but the problem is if 
I do like I could I know where I can I can source my own CBD oil, but if I do it without a prescription, if I get pulled over, um, regardless of what the what I say to a cop, it's a one thousand dollar fine or however much it is. I'm pretty sure it's a grand. And but now I'm looking at seeing a doctor to get an actual prescription for the stuff so that but but the problem is but i guess the point i'm trying to make and sorry for interrupting is there's such like a hard like you said a hard and fast approach to it so it comes from drugs therefore it has to be bad like what yeah it's a weird concept and i mean this has always been the um yeah this is a a very popular topic in general as as um particularly uh cannabis as a as a medicine and let me just I can I can give everybody my stance now as a cancer survivor. Mm. If cannabis cured cancer, I never would have got it. Mm. All right, I smoked enough of that stuff when I was younger. Recreationally, I never would have gotten cancer. It does not cure cancer. Although, mm. I still advocate it as a medicine because when I was going through chemotherapy and I was vomiting at every given opportunity i was in mass amounts of pain i couldn't sleep and that sort of stuff i was given some cannabis oil by a friend and i used it in a vaporizer and i felt friggin fantastic not high not uh you know in, in no way a recreational fantastic it's just I, I wasn't in pain i could eat i wasn't throwing up it is absolutely a fantastic natural remedy for certain things like that and far better for you than a lot of the opioids they give you when you are in those positions um mm. yeah it's up to i i, I think yeah it's the hard line against drugs makes it really difficult to to get stuff like that you know like you said you get a prescription for cbd and you know well well, Motorhead, uh, Lemmy from Motorhead had a, had a argument for it, for the legalisation for years. He lobbied for the legalisation of weed for, like, I think, decades, in fact, because he was a known, known pot smoker. And the thing is, if you legalise it, you can regulate it, you can make sure there's no dirty crops out there. Why, as government, would you not want the extra money in the kitty the extra control the less drug dealers out on the streets like i mean i mean the smart drug dealer is just going to move to the next um the next thing to sell of course but yeah it just seems I sh- I'm, I'm of the same opinion as that i've always been of that opinion i always think i mean you've got cigarettes and alcohol that are legal and people mostly don't abuse those they with their with their own discretion use those as they would use any other drug um you do get the people who abuse those things and unfortunately yeah that sucks but that's up to their discretion because they're legally allowed to do it i personally think that the tax dollars alone that you would make off legalizing and regulating all recreational drugs yeah would be you, you, you're the country that did that would the economy would boom like beyond anything they could do in their primary industry. Yeah, it would be massive. Not only that, but then you have, as you said, 
regulated products, which means that you don't have any shit that's being made in bathtubs. Yeah. And then you also find that those heavier drugs that are massively addictive, they don't get as much play in society anymore because people aren't looking for a cheap, nasty fix. They're not going to go and take meth because they can get cocaine cheap from the bottle shop, you know? And I feel... And I feel like our our, um, our generation especially definitely got uh, like weed, at least in Australia anyway, majority of our weed users got it from um, like dealers and we just want access to it because we just want to chill out, man. Like we don't ask for much. We just want to chill. Um, you know, gen- generally stoners don't ask for too much, Anthony. You know, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bag of chips and a PlayStation. Serious <laughs> <laughs> here. Um, mm. I haven't there a little bit. PlayStations apparently are bullshit hard to get a hand on. Yeah, yeah, they are very hard to at the moment. And you know what? I'm happy that they're hard to get a hold of right now because I don't. I'm, buying the first gen console is dumb. Like. Yeah. When, when has a next-gen console come out with its first edition that hasn't had myriad of issues? Yeah. Like, it happens every time. You buy the very first release PlayStation and it's going to go red light on you within six months and then you yeah. just flush 700 bucks down the drain. Wait till they release, like, the Pro version in a year's time or wait till they've... You know, or buy a Nintendo and be part of the Nintendo Master Race, anyways, because they don't play the game. They they, just, they get it right first time every time. Well, I think they have to because there's no real way to update the Switch, is there? Um, no, not particularly. But um, the other thing about Nintendo is that they build their stuff to last for a, you know more than just the current generation. So the Switch came out during the um, PlayStation 4, and I think it was Xbox One generation. I don't know. I'm not an Xbox guy. But it came out during that generation, and it still measures up to the guys who are getting released right now. Mm. Um, And I don't – I'm not a tech guy. I don't know how they do that or why – you know, what it is that they do. But they also don't do things in the way that – like they won the console war in the 90s. Mm. Nintendo – beat their biggest competitor and then bought their biggest competitor so that they never have to participate in a console war again. They're still not, they're still not, yeah, and they're not even participating in one now because they smartly realised a long time ago, you Xbox and Sony people, you guys want to have your war? We're good, you know. We've still got, you know, 50 billion fans that will still buy this. Um yeah, twelve Mario games per console, and people will buy every single damn one of them. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and and not only that, but they make their games all like you know you can get on the Switch, you can get Super Nintendo games, Nintendo games, Nintendo sixty four games. You can get GameCube games. You can get Wii games. Wii U, which was their least successful console in recent times is re-releasing games on the Switch because the Wii U was basically a prototype for the Switch. But, I mean, yeah, you're right. They departed from any sort of other battling consoles long ago. It's because they don't need to. No. They don't need to. 
they're almost taking the the sort of the the image comics approach to consoles in the way that image comics is just like we'll just create our quality stuff we'll release create our own quality stuff marvel dc you guys want to have your fucking war go nuts go fucking nuts yeah guys just towel each other up for you know however long and then and then go and pick up pick up the pieces when they're done you know um those guys can battle it out until their uh exclusives become uh public market and then just pick up their exclusives on their console why not Mm. You say you say pick up their exclusives, but like all I can think of is like they fucking jizzed all over the floor and they're just picking up the bits with the cum rag. That's what that you they're exclusives. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, what exclusives are there though? Really, Halo and that's I can't even think of what PlayStation has, but who cares really? Because. Nintendo has Mario on Super Smash Brothers. PlayStation, I think PlayStation at this point, the only exclusives they have is Spider-Man uh, and The Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I know uh, that um, Xbox just bought, or Microsoft bought Bethesda not long ago, which means that yeah, uh, yeah. Doom, Doom, Fallout, and you know um, a bunch of other games from Bethesda, they're all likely to switch over to Xbox exclusive. Probably not this generation of consoles, but I would dare say on the next generation of Xbox, a lot of those things are going to be exclusive on those. And that, unfortunately, because if I did have to pick out of the two, I'd probably go PlayStation. It's probably going to be that kill shot on PlayStation's market. But who knows? You know, stranger things have happened. So let's talk about uh what the point is of this podcast episode let's talk about the life and times of david prouse the man behind the mask of darth vader um how about you what are your sort of fond memories of darth vader oh look um probably the same as most casual fans um Vader to me was just this, like, just this, such an enormous, imposing, uh, to use a term that's been in the media a lot recently, a monolithic sort of uh, character. Yeah, yeah. Um, Perfect. Some great power words there. Yeah, he was. He, it was just this enormous sort of presence and such a sinister presence in that whole thing. I mean, that's as as a youngster, that's all I could see. It was just this huge, all-powerful villain type. He was sort of the embodiment of everything that was evil in uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a youngster, you know, just big and dark and a red laser sword, you know. Can't think of anything more scary than that when I was a kid. Um, I mean, I feel like there's, like, when you go back and watch uh, A New Hope or Star Wars, if you want to be that old school, is um that first scene that that um just that unstoppable ba- uh, Vader coming out and just taking out um what's left of on that um rebel alliance sort of cruiser um but i think the most 
uh, like Vader just went to an all new level for me in uh, Empire Strikes Back. I feel like that is Darth Vader is best. Darth Vader, to be fair, doesn't do a heck of a lot in Return of the Jedi. Uh, like he fights Luke for a bit, but only at the behest of the Emperor. But I feel like the best sort of Vader on screen that's a movie is in Empire Strikes Back um, and also um, Rogue One um, where he just is just unstoppable. He's just slicing through all sorts of shit um, to get to the plans um, before we, that are eventually found on A New Hope anyway. And I feel like I found this really interesting about David Prowse. He um, was a weightlifter. Um, and bodybuilder, which I think stacks for his amazing like and huge presence. That was that was just me. Um, that that's uh, uh, I mean apparently as well he was pretty notorious for whenever back in the day, back in those early sort of the eighties of um of uh, sort of Star Wars conventions and stuff. Apparently he was pretty notorious for actually letting spoilers fly and. And yeah, yeah, and um, uh, apparently George Lucas was like, "You can't be saying this." Uh, but yeah, he, apparently he was pretty notorious for like, like I think at uh, if not a couple, certainly at least one uh, of these conventions, he let it slip that um, he's Luke Skywalker's father, and they're just kind of like, "You can't be doing this shit." Yeah, <laughs> this was um, we had a similar um. Who was uh, Tom Holland? Who was doing a lot of that around the Avengers stuff mm. not long ago? Uh, Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo both were apparently quite bad for doing the same sorts of things, letting little bits go. But I mean, that's the that's one of the biggest cinematic reveals in history: the being Luke's father. And yeah. imagine revealing that, especially back in those days when you know big twists in cinema weren't really. You know, M Night Shyamalan wasn't. Around. Oh, they weren't a thing, man. They weren't a thing. They, a hundred percent, they weren't. Um, that's the first kind of. It's it's almost like a like a end of season arc in a way, you know. Like, um, and it certainly would have been been back then. I mean, for us growing up, it's just a no. You just go back down to the video store and you pick up the next movie. Um, but um, uh, yeah, I, I feel like. I mean, yes, James L. Jones was the um, voice, but without um, David Prowse's huge presence, it's nothing. It's just it's nothing. It falls flat. There's, I mean, there's just so much you don't get. Like Darth Vader is a totally different character. He's Rick Mor- Moranis from Bloody Spaceballs. You know what I mean? If it's any other sort of person, and we've seen that what a ridiculous Darth Vader can look like. But it's not only that, it's like, I mean, there's, uh, I, I mean, I've said it before, like my my favourite version of Darth Vader is in the comics, but where he's just an unstoppable force because he's been written that way, but he doesn't become an unstoppable force if the original character's portrayal isn't an unstoppable force. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, um, yeah, yeah. Um, now I'm not sure about this, but didn't they they changed at the end of um, you know when 
little little frogman and obi and yeah. then him they're all the force and they changed that to the young yeah. fella, hayden christensen yeah. right now was yeah. that david prouse originally was in in that scene i don't know uh, um yeah, they changed it. They changed it to Hayden Christensen, but um, uh, I'm assuming it must have been. Um, uh, yeah, I'm assuming it would have been. Uh, Justin from Twitch has just joined the chat. Hey, Justin, how are you? Um, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was him. Um, the and that's why there was such a because he was so well loved as well. Like all of them are well loved. Like all of the people behind the masks uh, of you know like C three PO, even the little guy that fit into R two D two back in the day. All of that, like um, um, they were so well loved, and that's why it was such a travesty when they switched out Hayden Christensen. Oh no, Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw. Uh, okay, there we go. There we go, um, but even then, but even then, that's that's still a uh, yeah. Thanks for that, Michael. Um, even then, that's that's still a bit of a travesty. Like, why did you need to change it in the first instance? Like, um, motherfucker's gonna age, right? Yeah, and they're trying to do that continuity thing, and they're doing the Hollywood garbage with it, which is like, oh, this was him before he went evil, and now he's not evil anymore, and it's like. Uh, I don't know, man. You're fucking with a classic there, and I'm not even a big Star Wars guy, and if, uh, that that sort of pissed me off too, you know. Um, it, yeah, but that's that's kind of, but then that that doesn't make sense because the whole law of um, uh, of the Jedi learning to, uh, so it's an actual technique that they um, learn uh, to. Um, I guess be granted the sort of space ghost stuff um, is that you learn it, and then at the end of your life, that's that's I guess how that's what you will look like. I, that's at least my understanding of it. Like, I mean, Hayden Christensen aged. You know what I mean? Like he he aged. Like his character aged. Um, so why have why sw- swap out and put Hayden Christensen in there? That was just it was just a it was just a dumb move, and they just don't fuck with classics. Yeah, I mean, and they, I mean they they got in shit for it, right? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not in shit, but all the fans gave them a lot of crap about it. So you know, I, mean, I guess two more blokes doing that isn't gonna change the fact that. <laughs> um. All right. Anything else to talk about? Um, I think we've checked off all of mine. I mean, there's everything else is just boring headlines at the moment. I haven't got too much going on. Okay. So um, the the actor who played the bad guy in in Mad Max Fury Road just passed away. Uh, Yes, yes, I did see that. I only just briefly saw that this afternoon. So um, his name, of course, um, being uh, Hugh Keysburn, um, Australian actor, obviously been in a lot of things. Me, uh, me for one, I guess the most thing, the thing that I'll most remember him for, besides Mad Max Fury Road, because that was such a such a 
I think an iconic character was um, uh, he was in uh, Farscape for a bit. I'm a huge Farscape fan. Um, it's it's the best sort of genre TV show that Australia has ever done. Um, and uh, yeah, he will be sorely missed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I don't really remember him from much else, but yeah, I mean, it's always tough when someone like that goes from sort of particularly Farscape was sort of a bit of a cult phenomenon here, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was. I still can't believe it was produced by Channel Nine. Um, I don't know how mu- how much money it cost them. Um, I'm assuming it cost them a fair bit because they used like the Jim Henson company to create it, um, to create like the animatronics in it and things like that. Uh, I'm one of those guys that uh, I probably have Star Wars level knowledge of Farscape, so it's probably not saying we want to delve into too much. But um, I, it went for four seasons and then it got came back for like a, a mini series, a movie mini series that sort of ended the show. But um, uh, yeah, it's it was. Uh, I still can't believe it was made here um, because uh, I mean that's why the like you you've seen Stargate SG one um, uh, in the very last season of Stargate SG one they do they rip off the they do a riff on um, Farscape. Yeah, they do. Yeah, and all the characters are all mixed around. Yeah, yeah. Which Ben Browder was the main character in Farscape, and uh, and so was Claudia Black. Claudia Black. Yeah, yeah. So he's ended up on Stargate. So yeah, it sucks. It sucks when someone like that dies. But then I'm used to th- people. Anything that I like, people die from it. Yeah, it's a good thing I don't like you, because you, you're safe. <laughs> um, Michael mentioned something in the comments there about a Farscape revival. Now I wonder about that because sometimes touching those things this long after is uh, dangerous. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Star Wars. Um, but uh, you know they have. Um, People do the same thing for Firefly, and I know you're not a Firefly fan, but you sort of look at it and it's like, really? Are you going to, like, what you have there is a great piece of work that is now finalised. If you yeah. go back in there and start messing with it, is it going to taint the memory of the earlier stuff as well? Is it going to find yeah. on the stories? You know, I, I often wonder about that. It's a little bit like when... Uh, May have even been our very first podcast, and we spoke about the crow being revived, and that they constantly tried to do it, and eventually, I think they just gave up because they realised leaving it alone was the best option. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that said, though, I still wouldn't have, wouldn't have minded seeing uh, Aquaman as you know the crow, um, but. I mean, but the, he's the only sort of actor I feel that could pull it off. But at the same time, um, I feel like he would have been too muscly for that role. Um, uh, the aesthetic of the time was the that whole sort of... Goth s- subculture that was going on that is responsible for the popularity. I mean, if you look at the Matrix as well, like a lot of the Matrix, like this sort of the interwoven sort of 
look and feel and stylistically it's there's a lot of goth and cyber goth subculture going on like you look at all i mean i mean just the soundtracks alone you know you totally um, i mean there's i mean that, there's a lot of that in that era those sort of darker themed movies are all looking a bit that way and i think uh modernized i don't think that jason Momoa would be sort of too big for the role as in mm-hmm. um too muscular or whatever um, but only because it would be more modern styled where that's more of an acceptable sort of look. It's a bit more what the subcultures now are going to be trying to look like, you know. Um, but even said, I, I agree, he's probably the best actor for it at this point, but I still don't want to see it happen. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the only for that, to recast that person, um, sorry, that character, I would go for um, the... The guy that was in Sleepy Hollow, um, I'll, uh, not the movie but the TV show, I'll quickly Google his name, um, was, and, of course, you're showing me the fucking movie, aren't you? Um, uh, where are we? His name, uh, Tom Misson. Um, Tom Misson um, would have been an interesting one uh, as the crow. Um, Yep, um, you're looking at it yourself. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. You know who else I would really like would be uh, Killian Murphy uh, from Peaky Blinders. Uh, he also played the Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Um, I think he would have done a pretty excellent version of uh, the Crow. Either that or if um, Stuart Townsend has been 10 years younger um, uh, than uh, from Queen of the Damned, um, and more more recently, he was also in uh, that Witcher show. Who I can't remember the oh Salem. That's it. Uh, Salem. He was in Salem as well. Um, uh, and Michael T is yelling at us on um, on chat. So we better get back to the question at hand. Um, Farscape on reimagined. I mean, I think for something like that to uh, see the thing is with Farscape. The charm about it was sort of the the same charm that there was with like um, Firefly, right? The sort of the misfits all on a ship and sort of running away from the law, so to speak. But the other, I guess, feel the charm is, and not a lot of people know this, but uh, Farscape, this, the ship scenes were actually filmed in the inner west of Sydney in a warehouse. So that whole thing is actually a warehouse. That's why it sort of has a B-grade sort of schlocky look to all the technology. That's why, you know, when when they're running down a hallway, it looks like they're running down the same hallway all the time. It's like it was actually the entire ship was a warehouse in the inner west in Sydney. So it kind of I feel like there's a lot of a lot about it that sort of has that Aussie charm to it. And I feel like like when you get down to it, there's a lot of Aussie humor in it as well. That's just um that's just absolutely bonkers that a lot of people aren't always going to get. But I'm glad that the show got a cult status and more people are, are finding the show. Um I'm not sure like at the end of it the way it works is that Crichton, played by Ben Browder, he basically has this has the button to a doomsday device that can has the capability to wipe out an entire universe. 
so he's pretty much got a hand on the nuke, but um, the way he the way it ends is just like you have to leave me and my friends alone, otherwise I'm gonna press it because you've pushed me pushed me over the edge. I've had had jack of all your shit, and then the the peacekeeper army, which ironically that's what the bad guys are called, um, they leave. So how does how is there a new what who's the new big bad? What does that look like? I mean. I don't think it. If it was done again, I don't think it should be done without Ben Browder and without Claudia Black. I think that's. I mean, obviously, you would want. Um, you know, it'd be like recasting mains in. You know, nearly any other uh, cult sci-fi series. It's hard to do. Um, yeah, um, Anthony Simcoe wouldn't be an issue because um, he actually his character dies in it. Um, uh, Gigi Edgley would be good to have her back. I mean, she was a model, and I'm pretty sure she still is a model. And she's she's fifty odd, and um, I I don't know if you've seen her recently, but she still looks fucking stunning. So I mean, uh, yeah, you could get Lani Tupu, who played the um, who played the sort of the first bad guy in the, but he died. So, but then he also played um the sort of the the pilot of the ship yeah, but um, i mean you can you can write around a lot of this stuff too i mean look at um red dwarf came back after how many how many years off and they had all the same yeah. actors in it and they're all old and they basically just said we've been gallivanting around the universe for this many years now we're going to check back in with these guys sort of thing so, I mean, there's ways to write around a lot of this sort of stuff. The way to write around um, uh, Red Dwarf, I feel, is that you throw away your computer and you don't write it because um, it's a fucking horrible show and needs to be banished from existence. Oh, it's very, it's so good. Um, incidentally, I just had a, um, I had a thought about something I did want to talk about just briefly. Um, you know I'm a big fan of the Mortal Kombat series. Uh, I'm a big fan of the 1994 movie. Uh, yeah. That, that so bad that it's incredible movie that came out in 1994. You know, I was also in what, maybe fourth grade or something like that. So to me, it was like the coolest thing that ever happened. Um, recently, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 have released originals movie skins for their characters. So you have Sonya, Raiden, and Johnny Cage from the original movie are now in the game. So Raiden looks exactly like Christopher Lambert. (laughs) Even even better, they actually employed Christopher Lambert and the other two actors, the one that played Sonya and the one that played Johnny Cage. I can't remember off the top of my head their names, but they came in and voiced new parts for the characters in the game. So... They actually, yeah, they, they they brought some of the nostalgia from that 1994 movie, gave the actors some work, which is awesome, and then brought that nostalgia into the brand-new game, which is really cool. Uh, loads yeah. of fun, and I'm really excited to go and play more of it because, uh, yeah, it's fun seeing Veronica Vaughn beat the crap out of people. Um, I think that's it for us. Um, so... If you've enjoyed uh, this podcast, go check us out on YouTube, Twitch, uh, or wherever you get your podcast from. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Um, I mean, 
I don't really have a lot more to talk about, do you? No, I think I'm pretty comfortable there, man. Um, don't forget to check out the uh, Instagram, so, at Soda and Telecast. I'm going to chuck up the pictures of the uh, newspaper article with the Independence Day photo. Um, that's me. So, uh, for us, you've been listening to Soda and Telecast, the only show whose penises are shinier than our lightsabers. My name's Anthony. Holy fuck. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks. Have a good week. Bye.